following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. vilest can still experience mercy. Beautiful, isn't it? We want to spend a little bit of time in prayer before we get into this morning's message. Uh, Several things that are going on in our church family and around us, in our community. Uh, a uh, A lot of help that we need and we're reminded of how frail we are when we turn to him in prayer. And so we want to uh, remember Dr. Desai and Mrs. Desai as they're still uh, uh, working toward health. And we, we're thankful for the news that we have gotten. We're still praying for uh, more uh, continued healing there and comfort. Um, we've also got uh, Pastor Elliot that uh, Pastor McCracken went up and filled in for this past week and uh, uh, continue to be praying for him. Pastor said they've got surgery this Wednesday, and so be praying, um, be praying for Brother Elliot there. If you would please continue to be praying for Dave Curry and his health needs uh, as well. Uh, you've got a prayer list there in in your bulletin, and it's emailed to you as well. So continue to keep those in prayer. Um, Vidal Brown, for those of you who, are, uh, who know Vidal, um, he's been in the hospital for several weeks now, um, and uh, I. Uh, Went up to see him with Titus this week, and we had a good time, good, good visit, and uh, it was an enjoyable time. And I tell you, you, you go to spend time with someone else to visit and be an encouragement to them, and you walk away being encouraged yourself. Uh, he's got a wonderful heart, wonderful attitude. Um, um, he's uh, been struggling with a form of genetic uh, cancer, and um, he's been in the hospital for a few weeks. He'll be in there for a little while longer yet. Sent him a text this morning to let him know that we would be praying for him. And so you all please be bathing him in prayer. And uh, sick young man, but uh, had a wonderful, wonderful outlook on it all. And I told him, I said, man, you need to be spending this time putting a sermon together. And when you're out, come preach it. And so we're going to work together on that. And so you be praying for him. Um, and then uh, just a lot of things going on. The Franklin Graham tour is in town this week and. Uh, be praying that the Lord would move in a real way there, uh, please, and that uh, as a result of things going on there, that uh, the Word of Christ would go out and dwell in us richly. Um, So a lot of things going on. Let's spend just a moment in prayer before we get into this morning's message, asking God to speak to us. And while I'm praying, uh, if you would in your hearts be asking the Lord, See if there's anything in me that needs addressed this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be able to approach your throne. 
And as we do approach your throne, we are reminded of how wonderful you are. And Father, as we just sang a little bit ago, your mercy is so much more than anything that we've ever done. Anything we're ever guilty of, any vile uh, uh, act or any, uh, even in the small mistakes. But Father, we know our hearts and we know how wicked we can be. And we're so grateful, Lord, that no matter the situation, you and your grace and your mercy can forgive that one too. Father, we bring several requests to you. We have several of our folks that are out, not feeling well. I think of Sister Lynn as she is home, not well this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen her in the inner man, draw her close to you. Father, for Dr. and Sister Desai, for Videl is there struggling with different health issues, Lord. I just pray that you would continue to work in their lives and strengthen them this morning. Encourage their hearts. Let them know at this moment that they are loved by God. Father, for Pastor Elliot, as he is uh, struggling and uh, things seem to be dark at the moment, Remind him, remind his family, and remind his church of the reality of the presence of a God who so loved that he gave his life for them. Help them to rest in that comfort and in that peace that only only the Holy Spirit can provide. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful for the things that are going on. We think of our upcoming uh, events and and Father, I just pray that you would work in those, use those to bring glory and honor unto yourself. And the people who perhaps don't know you as Lord and Savior, that you would draw them to you. That you would use uh, our meager efforts to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I think of the kids getting ready to step into their classrooms here in just a moment. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts as well. But Father, we adults would never forget that we're not the only ones going to church. We're bringing young ones to be instructed and taught and brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I pray, dear Father in heaven, that you would help us to not push our beliefs on anyone, but Father, to expose truth. That's all we truly desire. And that at a young age, those who are who are taught the ways of God, would choose this is the way to walk. And Father, we pray also for Brother Dave and his, uh, his ailments, Father, that you would continue to work in his life and help to bring those things about. Father, for uh, thanks we give to you because of who you are and what you've done. And Father, I'm thankful for those who... Uh, serve tirelessly around the ministries, Father, coming in on uh, service days and not service days, Father, to make sure that we are prepared and ready. I think of the lawn care team. I thank you, Father, for their work and their service. I'm thankful, Lord, for what's been done as a result of people who just simply love you and are willing to serve you. And I thank you for what's going to be done because of people loving you and yielding to the Holy Spirit working in their life. Now, Father, we're getting ready to open up the bread of life, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to hearts and minds. 
God, as we get into your word, that you would hide me behind your words, that I would not allow my own ideas or my own sentiments to get in the way and muddy the water, but that the clear truth of the gospel is presented. And those, Father, who do not know you as Lord and Savior would see their need of you this morning. Father, those of us who do claim you as Lord and Savior would also see our need of you in our daily lives as well. And that, Father, you would be glorified and magnified. So speak to our hearts this morning, we pray. For we ask these things in your Son's name. And because he deserves the reward for the suffering that he experienced on that cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, it's been an enjoyable study. I've really enjoyed going through the book of Joel. I uh, thoroughly enjoy the study that we've had. Uh, As we've studied thus far, we've looked at several different things. We've noticed quite a few different uh, uh, points that I'd like to, yeah, I'm sorry, we need to dismiss the children. The kids are looking, can I go? How about now? Should I go now? Yes, you can go. We need to dismiss the children to their classes. My apologies. As they're making their way, be praying for them. Pray for their teachers. I don't know if you've ever tried to uh, dispense truth while you were uh, frustrated. Frustration can be a difficult uh, way to dispense truth, but uh, be praying for them. Patience is a beautiful thing. So as we've studied here in the book of Joel, we're going to pick up where we left off last, Joel chapter number 2 and verse 28, and uh, we'll read through the fulfillment of the chapter here in just a moment. But as we've studied, we've seen through this prophet Joel uh, the gracious warnings of God. And I don't know if you remember at the beginning, we started to look at the warnings that come and the difficult times that come. This is God's grace in our life. This is actually a gracious uh, act for God to to give us these warnings. Uh, Not only that, but we saw the motivation for repentance, and repentance not because of what we get out of it, but because of who He is and that we deserve uh, to to know Him more deeply. We deserve, I'm sorry, not that we deserve, that He deserves for us to know Him uh, more deeply. Uh, He deserves everything, and so the motivation for our repentance is the glory of God, not what we're missing out on. Then we saw the call of, of uh, Joel here. He says it's time to sound the alarm. So we saw the call to repent. And then the wholehearted turning of, of his people. And then finally, God's pity on those that do turn to him. And so if you found yourself there now, Joel chapter number 2, stand with me if you would for the reading of God's word. And uh, we'll get into this morning's message. Joel chapter number 2, starting in verse 28. It says, And it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my Spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord uh, come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, 
and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Father, bless, we pray, the reading of your word to our hearts, and that we would not just simply hear, but we would obey. It's in his name again we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in in looking at the book of Joel here, we've noticed several different things. Simply put, God passionately loves and will fight for those who turn to him. Now, we're going to notice some things in the scriptures this morning that that really kind of tie everything back in line. And I want you to notice that Uh, God will not only passionately love, but he will fight for it, and he will even drive away the enemies, and and he answers their prayers, he he supplies for them, and and he does all this, and this should affect in us, those of us who claim to know Christ, those of us who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, it should affect in us a desire to know him more, a hunger to, to learn more about him. This is not about what God can supply. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not one of those health and wealth preachers that say you pray enough and God's going to give you a lot. That's not what we talk about here. No, 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 my friend. Here's the truth at the end of it all. The truth of every single bit of it is God is great and he is mighty and he is merciful and he is gracious. And when we see those graces of God, it should drive us not to want more of what he can provide, but to want more of the provider. This is why Paul said in the book of Romans, he says, there's none that seeketh after God. There are a lot of people that seek the effects of God and the blessings of God, but do they truly seek God? And so this is where we want to understand and begin our study this this morning. Now, the prophet moves from the temporal to the spiritual things the spiritual blessings. He's explained through chapter 2 thus far the temporal things or the physical blessings that he's, uh, he's going to affect, but now he wants to look at the spiritual. Now, I've, I've tried the best that I can through this study in the Minor Prophets and here in Joel for us to look and to not just simply see Old Testament. We want to also note how the Old Testament points to Christ. All through Scripture, there's a common thread that is given. Whether we're in the book of Genesis or at the very end of Revelation, everything points to one common theme, the blood of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Everything points this way. And so whether we're over here at the end of the book or we're way over here at the beginning of it, all of it tries to put a, a picture and a spotlight on the one who is coming, or in our case, has come. And so everything points that direction. And so I've tried my best to, to see Christ in these pages and to draw that out. And it's so easy to, uh, to do this here in this specific portion, uh, but it's also easy to forget the theme of the whole Bible if we're not cautious. But here in chapter, uh, chapter number 2, verse 28, we can quickly tie it together with Acts chapter number 2. Go there with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter number 2. And I want to note where one actually connects the other. Acts chapter number 2. Now, you'll note with us, if you would, please, 
uh, how that these two passages are going to be very similar. We just read in Joel chapter number 2. Look at Acts chapter number 2, verse number... um, Uh, Actually, go back to verse number 14, because this is just after the Pentecost experience where the Holy Spirit uh, came and engulfed, and it it appeared as uh, tongues of fire coming down on everybody. Uh, We can get into that a different day, but here's what I want to point out. Look at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days uh, of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and the signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Rather reminiscent, sounds right, doesn't it? Sounds good. Here's what, we, here's what we need to understand with a lot of what we're seeing here is the Old Testament is not a standalone to the New Testament. Nor is the New Testament important and the Old Testament unimportant. They all come together and they connect with one another. Now, the beauty that we see in a lot of this is how we can connect all the dots through the book of Joel to the gospel. For example, the warning that we saw, the gracious warnings, well, we're given a warning in the New Testament, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, we, we see in that very verse, Romans 3.23, that very verse also gives to us the motivation for, for repentance. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And so the motivation is God's glory. Not only that, but we see the call to repent. Jesus himself said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the call to repentance is seen in the book of Joel. This is part of the gospel as well. The heart, uh, uh, we looked at the turning to him with our whole heart uh, just a couple weeks ago. Now, the heart is, uh, is seen in there in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 9. Brother Sean read that just a moment ago. Anyone, whoever calls on him, for with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of calling, but have nothing in their heart, no desire, no true hope, no true want for, for the things of Christ. I remember when I was a young man learning how to uh, go uh, and, and witness. We were uh, out trying to invite a bunch of people to church, and we were knocking on doors, inviting people, and, and uh, I was with another gentleman. And uh, he was there uh, trying to witness to this young man at the door, and he was, you know, the young man was very kind very polite. He was uh, very respectful to his elders. I wasn't his elders, but the other guy was his elders. And he wouldn't say no. And finally, the gentleman that I was with said, why don't you pray right now so that you can be saved? He said, sure. And have you ever done a holy peak? You know, everybody's praying. You're supposed to have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and you do one of those numbers, the holy peak, you know, just kind of curious. You've done it. 
Don't look at me like a bunch of pious gas bags. You've done it. You know you have. You know, the pastor's giving the invitation. He says, if anybody, you're going, he should have raised his hand. Don't look at me like, yeah. Well, I did. I did a holy peek. And you know what I saw? I saw as one man was leading another man in the sinner's prayer. I saw the guy doing this and then repeat and say, uh, God be merciful to me, a sinner. God be merciful to me, a sinner. He was just trying to repeat the words to get him off his doorstep. Now, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I hope to this day that something, some seed was sown. I pray to God that something was different. But how many people do that? They go and they, they do lip service, but the heart has never truly turned to God. We see the heart in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, but we also see pity. You remember in the book of Luke, Jesus telling the story of the Pharisee and the publican, and the publican saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We've seen all this in the book of Joel. Now, the beauty in the gospel is not in our preservation. I want you to see this. It is not about us. Rather, it is the character of God. God shows mercy because he is merciful. This is the beauty of the gospel. And I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss it because so often we make the the gospel about us. It is not about us. No matter what we think of ourselves, no matter what we think of our sin, we need to understand that God is merciful. And because God is merciful, he shows mercy. Not because of anything about you or me, but we have to turn to him to receive that mercy. Now, When God shows this mercy, it's because of him, not because of us. And what that did for us, my friends, is usher in the gospel age. This is a beautiful thing. Now, the prophetic sight, I've got an image I want to bring up. The prophetic sight here, uh, this is a prophet's view. Sometimes we forget that uh, prophets don't get perfect view. Prophets are not God, okay? Prophets don't have everything perfectly. And what happens is when God is revealing things to the prophets, he reveals to them what they can handle, what they can see. And so, you know, the image that I'm giving to you there, we see the the prophet is able to look ahead and he's able to see the first coming of Christ. He's able to see the second coming of Christ. And sometimes that ends up getting communicated in such a way that it looks like it's part and partial of the exact same event. But what what we've got to understand is their view is only pieces. They don't, they're not given perfect view. They don't have everything, which is why sometimes, uh, for example, what we see right here, issues with uh, uh, this view uh, coming in, a prophecy had a present application, but it also had a future application as well. And so what we see here with the book of Joel is there was a a vision of what was going on based on their current day status, and this is what God's going to do. You turn, and in today's day, present day status, certain things would happen. But also, in a prophetic sense, this is going to come about in the life of God's people. And so the days of the Messiah uh, are considered the last days. And so 
you'll see it time and time again in Scripture in these last days, in these latter days. And so you have Jesus' first coming, and that's, that began the last days. Because his coming, his death, is buried on his resurrection. Listen, from that moment on, we've been on a ticking clock. And there's coming a day when it's over. Because we have experienced some 2,000 years, we seem to think to ourselves, well, we're not really, we haven't been in the last days, it's not been the last days, it's not the last days, the last days are coming. And then we hear time and time again, preachers say things like, we're living in the last days, we're living in the last days. And then we think to ourselves, man, I'm 40 years old. Last days have sure lasted an awful long time. Now, some of you all could say that with a little extra. And you think to yourself, wait a minute. Last days. Yes, my friend. Because we don't know exactly when the last day comes. But we know that we're in the end time. We're making our way toward the fulfillment of Christ's second return. Or second coming. Not second return. Many have argued about this passage here in Joel chapter 2 and, and Acts chapter 2. I've actually read some commentators that say Peter made a mistake. Well, then that means God made a mistake for letting it get put in there. I don't agree. I don't agree. I think that it's right where, right where it's supposed to be. I believe the Scripture is the best commentary on the Scripture. And under the inspiration of God, Luke recorded Peter's sermon connecting the two chapters. So I believe that they're fine. I don't think we need to argue over that. But another concerning piece, I want you to notice back in, uh, you can see it both in Acts chapter 2 or in Joel chapter number 2. It says in verse 28 of Joel 2, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now this idea of all flesh, this, is, this can be concerning to some people. Uh, the idea that comes in here in, in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, Joel chapter 2 verse 28, this is not universal salvation. Let's understand what our Bible is teaching us. This is not universalism. The universalist will teach you that the Holy Spirit was given to all people, saved and unsaved alike, and it has been put down and it has indwelt everybody. Now, that's not what is being taught here. Please don't, please don't misunderstand the teaching of the, of the Spirit being given to all flesh. Again, Scripture is the best commentary for Scripture. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Here's what it means. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. That's why I'm holding on to visions. I don't want to see dreams yet. Just a couple of you got that. Verse 29, and, it, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And then it goes down to verse number 32, and it shall come to pass that whosoever. You know what this is saying? This is not saying that everyone is saved. This is not saying that the Holy Spirit indwells everyone. What it's saying is that it does not matter class uh, your your educational system, your gender, none of that comes into play in, in regards to the Holy Spirit of God being poured out on you. It doesn't matter whether you are, are wealthy or you're a servant. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. 
And, you know, the beautiful thing that we see in this, again, a connection to the Old Testament day and the New Testament day. You remember back in the Old Testament, unless you were of a certain tribe, you could not be a priest. Unless you were of a certain group of people, you could not carry the Ark of the Covenant. Unless you were a certain type of person, you couldn't enter into certain parts of the temple. Uh, there, there were so many restrictions. You had to be this. You had to be that. You couldn't be, uh, if, you were, if you were a woman, you were only allowed in certain areas. If you were a man, you were allowed in more areas. If you were Jewish, you were allowed in certain areas. But if you were a Gentile, you weren't allowed in those areas. And it goes on and on and on. And we look at that and we go, man, they sure did have a lot of restrictions. You know why? Because they wanted to draw the picture here that, look, under the law, you can't. You have to be certain things. But over here, now the gospel has been presented, and it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, yellow, with purple polka dots. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or you're a woman. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter because all people can be given this Holy Spirit of God because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it's saying. So we need to see what we're looking at here in full detail. We need to never forget, never forget, God is the only God. Catch this. Whether someone acknowledges him or not, he is the only God. He is the only Savior for man. We know that. We understand that. Isaiah chapter 43, verse, the second part of verse 10 into verse 11 says, Understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Whether someone accepts or rejects, God is still God. God is still the only Savior. doesn't matter. But that doesn't mean that all have been saved. Because the caveat to all of this really still maintains, it's seen there in verse number 32, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. There is a requirement. You've got to call. And the person who doesn't think they need it will never call. No matter how much we would hope for them to call, no matter how much we desire for them to know our Lord and Savior the way we do, if they never see their need for salvation, they'll never call. The only hindrance to someone having the Holy Spirit taken uh, up residence in them is their own heart. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If a two-letter word means a lot. If thou shalt. So looking at all these different things, I, I want to take a look at some of the benefits and the effects of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time. There was a uh, university professor. He was a physics professor. And he decided it was time to give uh, a test. And this was kind of to weed out the, uh, the wannabes from the true phys uh, physics majors. You know, do you truly want to study physics? And so he gave this exam, and it was known by every, anyone who had taken that class, it was known to be a very difficult exam, especially for first-year physics students. 
And he gave them all. He passed out uh, uh, sheets, blank sheets of paper, just an eight and a half by 11 blank sheet of paper. And he says, for the test, you're allowed to bring anything in that will fit on that sheet of paper. And so every single one of these students, they went home, and for the next week, they, they crammed as much information on that eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that they could get to fit so that when they come into the test, they were ready. And they all come in, they sit down at the test, and they, here they've got their books, uh, the, the books are, uh, are, are laid out before them, and the teacher comes along and says, put those under your desk, where's your eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper? They got rid of the books, put their eight and a half by 11, he's looking at it, he says, ah, pretty good. Goes down to the next one, says the same thing. Goes to the next one, says the same thing. Comes to this one young man. And he says, uh, where's your piece of paper? And he pulls out a blank sheet of paper. He says, you're not going to put anything on it? He said, oh, yeah. And he set his piece, piece of paper on the floor, and he motioned from the back. And one of the advanced physics professors came in and stood on the piece of paper. The professor looked at him and said, well done, son. Well done. Through the whole test, the advanced physics professor just pointed at the answers. How'd you have liked to have been in that classroom, you know? <laughs> what did he point at this time? <laughs> no, nope, what on your piece of paper? You see, I wanted to understand the benefits and the effects of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we cannot do. The Holy Spirit brings about the abilities to put up with what we wouldn't normally be able to put up with, to respond in ways we wouldn't normally respond. And if we would but let Him, the Holy Spirit through every situation in our life could just be standing there pointing, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. But... We don't. We don't. Now look with me at just a few things, please. Because I want us to note just, I'm going to give you three things that the Holy Spirit does. Three benefits or effects uh, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. First off is a belief in the supernatural. A belief in the supernatural. Belief in the supernatural is essential to salvation. The Holy Spirit increases our faith and reminds us to rely on his power. And this is something that the Holy Spirit can do, will do, if we but let him. But a belief in the supernatural is critical to salvation as well as personal growth. Critical. If I dismiss the supernatural, then there's no room now for the supernatural to work. Let me see if I can explain it this way. One can, one can be convinced of a, of a risen Savior, but only if they accept the possibility that one could rise from the dead. One could accept our God being the one true God, but only if they accept the possibility of there even being a God. So belief in the supernatural must take place. And I've talked with many a, a young man or a young woman who says there is no God. Emphatically, they will state these things. Do you know that there, there really truly is no such thing as an atheist? They're all agnostic at the end of, their, at the, end of the day because no one, can, no one can say. I was talking to a young man who, who was dead set determined there is no God, period, end of statement. 
I said, how much of this world's knowledge do you think you have ingested? I mean, he was an incessant reader. I said, how many of the books do you think you've read? I said, 1% of them maybe? He said, we can be kind. I mean, there's a lot of books. 1%? He said, okay, sure, I'll, I'll take that. I said, so you're willing to stake the other 99% that he does not exist because you have only uh, turned over 1% of the evidence? You see, there's really no such that he said, okay, well, I don't see any evidence. for. Okay, then you're agnostic. You're not atheist. An agnostic is honest. They say, I just don't know. But he says the supernatural stuff is not, not sensible. It's, it's completely out of touch with reality. It's completely nonsensical. I said, okay, so supernatural. Now, of course, this is a young man that believed in the Big Bang Theory. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, now, if the Big Bang Theory doesn't wake you up enough, here, check this one out. Thomas Aquinas once argued that something cannot cause itself to come into existence because it would have to exist before it could bring itself into being, and this is clearly absurd. So in order for the Big Bang Theory to come about, something not natural had to happen. He said, okay, so, I, I, okay, so maybe, maybe there is, okay, see? You've got to give way for the supernatural. That's to get to an, an understanding of that there is a God, and that perhaps we need to pay attention. Well, you know, sadly, it's not just it's not just the atheists or the agnostics. You know, many Christians have lost this belief in the supernatural. Many people who profess to be born again by the Spirit of God have have also lost this idea that supernatural things can take place. This is why we don't pray. You know, you have somebody say, well, I've got this problem. And you say, well, did you pray about it? Well, no. Why not? I mean, we claim to believe in a God that spoke the worlds into existence. We claim to believe in a God who through all history and time, he knew what was going to take place. And he chose this little girl in, in, in uh, uh, Nazareth to be the mother of our Savior. We're talking about a God who was able to come to earth, become one of us, and he lived the life that was perfectly sinless. He died the death that you and I deserve to die. He was buried completely dead, my friends. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he was is God. We believe in that, but we don't believe God can answer prayer. <laughs> it's because we've forgotten. We've done away with the supernatural. Jesus. Now, either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he was right when he said, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, and it will. What, was he just making it up? You see, we have lost the supernatural. The Holy Spirit, not only does it bring this belief in the supernatural, but it gives also boldness. Boldness. The Holy Spirit brings boldness in proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, this is not boldness to stand up to somebody else's political views. Pause. I got boldness, and I'll tell them they're wrong. No, it's boldness in proclaiming truth. Now, where are you getting all this, Pastor? Well, let's look at the supernatural, bringing the belief in the supernatural, as well as the boldness. It says, uh, 
in the middle of verse number one, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. and Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. Peter had visions. Paul saw the Lord multiple times. Stephen, he saw Jesus standing up in heaven. They're seated, uh, seated, I'm sorry, up in heaven. John, have you ever read Revelation? Talk about visions and dreams. Woo! You can keep on going through this. But the Holy Spirit, realize what we believe. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside us and teaches us and guides us in all truth. Don't tell me that's not supernatural. That's an amazing event. But then the boldness that comes along, prophecy, and talks about being about prophesying. Prophecy has two main uses in the Bible. One, it is the foretelling of future events. But in, in the other case, the other way it's used is uttering divine truth and proclaiming or preaching. And that's the most general way that prophecy is used in Scripture. The apostles recognized and employed this power. We have over in Acts chapter 2 an example of that, where the apostles, they preached and they proclaimed in the power of God. But that's not the only thing. I love this third one here. So we've got a belief in the supernatural. We've got boldness that is given to us. But we also have the Holy Spirit falling on all flesh. And that's a wonderful message of inclusion. Because of this, you and I are able to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not of Jewish descent. I'm not royalty. I'm a hillbilly punk kid from the backwoods of West Virginia. Not Levite. Nothing special. I mean, I was the runt. All the kids would get together. You know who was the last one picked for kickball? Still the last one picked for basketball. I mean, I got skills. I got skills. Not really. Nothing special about me. But the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in me. I'm a child of the King. I'm saved. My sins have been forgiven. When I stand before God on that beautiful day when I shall see him and my faith will become sight. I'm going to be able to look to him and say, my Lord and my God and my hope and my prayer is to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I know I'm going to hear this. Come home. I got a home in heaven. This kid from the hollers of West Virginia. Barefoot, runny nose. Stepping on bees. I'm a child of the king. We sang just a moment ago, 
song, His mercy is more. One of the verses says this, What patience would wait as we constantly roam. What Father so tender is calling us home. (laughs) He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, and the poor. That described me. My sins, they were many. But his mercy was more. My friends, I want you to think of the excitement that Joel had. We talk about the second coming of Christ with excitement. And oh, even so, come Lord Jesus, I'm looking forward to... Think of the excitement of Joel that he had as he looked ahead and he thought, the Holy Spirit of God freely poured out on whosoever would call on the name of the Lord. Can you imagine? I bet he went home and told his wife, honey, you're not going to believe this. God's Spirit will take up residence in people one day. Oh, you're crazy. No, I'm telling you, it's exactly what God showed me. Wow. You think it'll be soon? Because I guarantee you, Joel wanted that too. Let me ask you this morning, has the Holy Spirit taken up residence in you? Has the Holy Spirit taken up residence in you this morning? This, this morning, Have you been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? Those who truly are born again by the Spirit of God are indwelt. This is not a second thing. Don't misunderstand me. You don't get saved and then down the road you got to figure out how to get the Holy Spirit. No, 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 my friend. The moment of salvation, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Don't look for some second act. Have you been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? I'm not asking if you've learned how to speak in tongues or if you know how to jump up and down and dance down the aisles and this, that. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life? That's that's what we're looking for. I'm not looking for someone to come in and start showing me a bunch of signs to prove it. You know what proves the Holy Spirit is in our life? A life that is led by the Holy Spirit. Not walking into a church on Sundays, and on Sundays you know how to shout a bunch of gibberish. And it's definitely not by smacking somebody on the forehead and hoping that you heal them. It's none of that stuff. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's the evidence. That's the evidence that you want to see in your life. Have you given space for the supernatural? Or are you thinking to yourself, well, no, not me. How about this? If you have been born again by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you, are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you experiencing that power? Pastor, I'm not sure I know what you mean. Well, is the Holy Spirit 
making you more like his son? Are you, are you becoming more like Jesus Christ on a regular basis? Are you, uh, the, the Holy Spirit gives uh, fruit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Ashley, you wouldn't believe me. I was the most impatient person 10 years ago, but once Christ came into my life, I got the patience of Job. Outstanding. And some might say, well, I got the fruit that is love and joy, but I don't have the patience part. It's fruit singular, not fruits. It's there. Are you letting it work? Are you letting the Holy Spirit work those things out in your life and through you? Maybe you have not given room for the supernatural. Well, this is just the way I am. No, let God change you. Let God change you. Don't give me that. This is just the way I am stuff. And third, are you boldly proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ? If not, why not? Why not? We claim to believe that Christ is the only way. Jesus said it this way, I am the way. The Greek is the definite article, ha. The way. The truth. The life. Definite article is used all three times. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you believe this, why are we not boldly proclaiming it? Well, somebody's not going to like me. <laughs> the apostles were tortured, martyred. And I'm afraid somebody's not going to like me. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, empowering you to boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Father, we come before you realizing our inadequacies and just how weak and beggarly we truly are. And Father, I'm I'm ashamed to say there have been many times in my life where I have not trusted the Holy Spirit's guidance. I have not employed the fruit that He provides. I have not been bold to proclaim. And so, Father, I ask for forgiveness. I ask, Lord, that You would work in the hearts and the minds of Your people. I ask you, Father, that you would remind us regularly of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. God, would you please remind us to make way for the supernatural. But thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live this life on our own. We don't have to try to make it with no help from above, but we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God guiding us every step of the way, reminding us this is the way, walking in it. Father, we are grateful 
beyond words that you do not leave us to figure it out. But that your Holy Spirit resides in us, teaching and admonishing, correcting where we need it, and empowering us. We pray these things, Father, asking that you would cause in us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Now, Father, those who perhaps don't know you as Savior, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they would trust you, that they would claim you, they would call on you. Father, if there be any here that perhaps do know you as Savior, but they've not been allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their life, I pray, Lord, that you would stir in them a hunger to be more like you. Father, use this time, this invitation, to bring glory and honor unto yourself, please. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake. Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org. Or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.